The following podcast is recorded and produced by the Podcast Precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The Podcast Precinct. Consistency. Creativity. Culture. Welcome back, everybody, to another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. I'm Coach Larry. Uh, Matt Keogh could not be here today, so we're going to get in a quick episode of me and only me as the guest. Um, In fact, if you do want to be a guest on one of our episodes um, upcoming, please let me know. Send me a direct message on Facebook at Stories from the Sidelines or on Instagram at Stories from the Sidelines. Looks like next week uh, we might be getting um, Coach Megan from Niagara Wheatfield and maybe some special guests coming along with her. But we'll see. That's not 100% guaranteed, but hopefully that. Uh, I was also talking um, to Coach Doug, uh, Doug Newman from Cleve Hill. So hopefully we can get him back on the show. Uh, We can talk a little swimming and also track and field with him. But for right now, you guys are stuck with me. Thought today we'd come in hot with a little bit of Sabres playoff talk. Um, again, it's talk about an up and down, up and down roller coaster fun ride that this hockey season has been. About three weeks ago, uh, I think it was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago, they had officially clawed back into where they were officially into the playoff spot by a point. They were in at the with the eighth spot. Only a point, I think, back from Pittsburgh. Then they have a little bit of a struggle, and they drop a little bit of ground. Pittsburgh and the Islanders still in the playoffs. Then Buffalo climbed back. They were literally within three points of the Islanders. I think it was two points of the Islanders and three points of Pittsburgh. They were playing the Columbus Blue Jackets. They also had three games in hand on the Islanders, so in great shape. Get the win in Columbus. Get the win in Edmonton. Get the win on the island in New York. Right? Wrong. Lose a... Tough one to Columbus. Didn't really play very well. Lost 4-3. Probably should have had a better result. Against the Oilers, I thought had a really strong showing. Could have easily uh, won. Lose it, I think it was 3-2. And again, on the island in a big swing game, a four-point game. Just couldn't get the W. So at that point, I mean, you drop back to, I think at that point, they were five or six back of the island, were losing their games in hand. Pittsburgh had climbed up to eight points ahead, all appeared to be lost. And at that point, you have, uh, they had tough games against Toronto coming up, tough games, still a tough game against Boston coming up. But you fast forward to present day, where They were able to get a win against Toronto. They have a tough game coming up tonight against Washington. And the standings, though, are getting close once again. And if Buffalo wins tonight, that puts them at 73 points. That would, again, get them... If Buffalo wins tonight, currently they are five points back of the playoff spot. Islanders and Pittsburgh still control that. Seven points back of Pittsburgh. They've got a game in hand on Pittsburgh, three in hand on the Islanders. If they can win tonight, they would tie with Florida. Florida currently is the one point or is the team that's out. So Buffalo would leapfrog them. They would pull further ahead of Washington. They could get back to being, by the end of the night, back to being three points down and out of a playoff. 
That's, again, if everything goes well tonight. Buffalo obviously need a big win. They control that against Washington. The Islanders have an interesting battle against Anaheim at 10 p.m. tonight against a team that is on a on a pretty decent winning streak. As you take a look at Anaheim's record, they are eighth spot in the wild card. Uh, after 67 games, they're at a 22-35-10 record for only 54 points. But if you look, they are on a their last 10. They are 5-2-3. So a pretty good last 10-game streak. Um, in fact, they've had... Uh, they had an overtime loss the other day, but they are playing much, much better. So let's hope that they can get a steal a win from the Islanders. So if all goes well, the Sabres could go back to being three points down from the Islanders, still with three games in hand. I said it a couple weeks ago. I said it at the beginning of the season. I said it over the summer that Buffalo would be in this spot. Again, a couple things go their way. They could have could be in the playoffs. But, man, is it fun that they are just playing meaningful games in this time of year in March and hopefully continuing to play meaningful games in April. It is it's fun. It's just so much fun looking at the standings, seeing where Pittsburgh is, seeing where the Islanders are. Can they catch? Okay, maybe two weeks ago I said, all right, they're creeping up on Tampa Bay. It's probably not going to happen now. Can you catch one or two of those teams? If you win tonight, again, even if the Islanders win, if you win tonight, you go to six points back, five points back of both. Pittsburgh and the Islanders. They would no longer have a game in hand on Pittsburgh. If they win tonight, they would go back five points back from Pittsburgh and the Islanders. Still, three big games in hand on the island, and they play the Islanders in, I think, two weeks. A lot of meaningful games coming up. It's going to be a fun finish in April again it's going to be one of those two I one of two things it's either going to be man we just barely snuck in the playoffs let's go let's get this let's look for that first who man we're, we're probably going to be playing Boston hopefully maybe I can't really say hopefully but it'd be better to play Carolina but man it's probably going to be Boston they are tough but just again the playoffs would be awesome or you're going to be looking at, man, if we just had gotten that Columbus win, if we had just gotten that one, maybe we missed it by one or two points, but it's going to be so, it, it's going to be fun. And either way, this team is finally showing signs of turning it around. The dark times are over. Whether they beat the streak or end the streak, the playoff drought this year or next year, it's coming to a close next year. They're definitely in. But it is going to come to a close very quickly. What they what are what the GM uh Kevin Adams has done, what uh uh Granado has done, the coach, it it's coming it's all coming together. I think again it took it took the Bills to find their coach and GM combination. I think now the Sabres have found their coach and GM combination. They have a ton, ton of young talent. And I know we've said that before two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, when, back when Jack Eichel got drafted. Oh, we've got a ton of young talent, a ton of young talent, a ton of young talent. They've got a ton of young talent on this team that is clicking, I think, if they're not the youngest team in the league, I think they are top three youngest teams in the league. And they are only getting better. It's just, it's going to be fun. And I think they're set up 
hopefully for a good finish this year to get in the playoffs. If not, they're definitely set up for a good um, playoff run next year. And who knows, with the amount of young talent, you throw in a good, solid goaltender. Hopefully, Devin Levi can come up. If not, you go out and spend some money and get a good, solid goaltender because, honestly, that's all this team is needing or missing. If you put a good, solid goaltender on this team, even a middle-of-the-road even a 14th or 15th ranked goaltender. It doesn't have to be. We're not asking for uh, Linus Allmark, who we already had, but we're not asking for the next Dominic Hasek. Even if you would have given this team or this team had middle of the road, just mediocre, just average goaltender, this team is by far in the playoffs. Like they're competing for top three in their division in the playoffs. But just the goaltending has been horrible at times. Trash at times. I mean, they got destroyed 10 to 3, 10 to 2, whatever, against the Dallas Stars. Not only that, but man, you keep that same goaltender in for all 10 goals. Holy cow. But this team is just. I think one or two defensemen away. Again, we're not looking. It'd be nice if we can get another Owen Powers or Rasmus Dahlin, um, Matias Samuelson, but they're they're one, I think, defenseman away from really just shoring everything up, but they're just a goaltender away. Again, we don't need the Dominic Hatchby. You put Linus Allmark on this team playing the way he's been playing, we've got Boston. I mean, we're we're Boston. If you put an all-star, top-of-the-line goaltender like Allmark on this team, Buffalo's sitting where Boston is right now because the only, that's the only thing that's separating Buffalo and the Bruins. They're both—Boston, I think, is, is ahead of them in goals, but— um, Boston has Boston's backup goaltender has a better goals against than Buffalo's starting goaltender. So it is just so much. It, there, there's a huge difference, and it's it's noticeable. This team just needs a goaltender, and they'd be competing with the big boys very easily. Let's take a move off the Sabres a little bit. Let's get into the Bills free agency. Started, I guess, officially today. No more of this tampering period with the two-day quote-unquote tampering period, legal tampering uh, period. So it's uh, officially started today. And some pretty, pretty good news for the Bills. I'd say after what appeared, we appeared to be losing Jordan Poyer. Uh, He is back. Again, whether he wanted to come back, whether he tested free agency and realized, hey, I'm not going to get the money I thought I was going to get or only teams that aren't going to give me a chance maybe at the playoffs or Super Bowl like the Bills were. So maybe he just didn't get the money he wanted to be back. Maybe he's just, hey, I want to come back no matter what. I know he was talking Miami before. Miami went and traded for Jalen Ramsey. So who knows what the reason, but he is uh, he is back on the Bills. Glad to have him. I think you've got your safety tandem back in Hyde and Poyer. Um, you got Devontae uh, Hardy that they just signed from the Saints. A little puzzled by that sign, by that signing. You've got a receiver who they need receivers. This guy is fast, lightning fast, all pro as a kick and punt returner. Back in 2001, 2000, or sorry, 2021, 21, 22, I forgot what it was. I think it was 21, he was an all pro. That's about it. His highest season was, I think, a 38-catch season. 
he's a burner. I mean, for me, the, looking at the guy, he kind of reminds me of a poor man's Deshaun Jackson. Didn't have anywhere near the production Deshaun Jackson has. Not to say that he can't. I mean, he is only 25 years old. He's a young kid. But it's just a little puzzling. He, I think he's costing him this year on the cap $5 million, four and a half, five million. You're tight to the cap. You created a lot of space by restructuring Allen. Created a lot of space by restructuring Miller. Created even more space. I think it was either early this morning or late last night. Uh, created about another five or six million by restructuring Steph Diggs' contract. Cleared after they did all the restructures and everything, they went from being uh, thirteen million over the cap or 15 million over the cap to they had about I think it when everything was cleared on spot track it said they were about 14 million in space maybe 15 between 14 and 15 million in space that they have it just seemed like too high of a cost to pay for a 56 yes 56 not 66 56 speedy fast receiver who's just seems to be primarily that's going to be used on kick returns, um, punt returns, and maybe a gadget guy. Isn't that basically uh, Isaiah McKenzie? Isn't that basically a Naeem Hines? Okay, maybe a little faster, maybe a little better, but still. It, it just seems a little rough when you're paying that guy five and a half, I think it was five or just over five mil for this year. You only signed him for two. They converted, I'm sure they, whether next year is a voidable year or whether next year is um, easy to get out. I know they gave him roster bonuses, all this stuff. So most of the money's going to count on this year, which will be easy to get out of next year. But this was the year you were, you were tight to the cap. Not sure why you're you're making that move. Uh, they also signed offensive guard uh, Connor McGovern, so that again should be a whether he becomes a starter or whether he's for depth help. I think that it was an area that they needed help for, so that's great. Free agency just officially started a few hours ago at four p.m. on Wednesday, so let's see what they've got cooking. I think you're you're not hearing a ton from the Bills front office. My opinion, and again, not sure what has happened yet with other teams in free agencies, haven't had a chance to really look over the signings and everything. But my thought is that we're going to hear of a bit of a surprise splash move from the Bills. Again, I know they're tight to the cap. After this signing um, and the McGovern signing, they might be at, I don't know, $8 million left, $7 million left, somewhere between there, give or take. I know it's, it's tough. It's tough when you're saying they only have $7 million, only have $8 million. <laughs> This guy's only making $2.5 million. This guy's only making $5 million. Man, I'd love to be in that only category. But I just have a feeling that it's going to be something like a again, maybe not as big as a Vaughn Milling Vaughn Miller signing or a splash move like that, but some kind of surprise move. Like, oh, Buffalo just signed Odell Beckham. Buffalo just signed uh just went out and traded for um whatever receiver they signed, Juju Smith Schuster, although I think before I came in it looked like he was signing um I forgot who he was signing with, but it looked like he was signing with somebody non-Buffalo. Or they went and traded for whatever receiver. It just, it, it seems like he's got a move coming. And again, I don't think it's going to be as splashy as Vaughn Miller or as splashy as Steph Diggs, the trade was. But who knows? Maybe we maybe something's in the works where we can trade a, a, a second or third round draft pick and get a, a, a number two wide receiver. Maybe we're trading. Maybe now that you got this guy in, McKenzie becomes expendable. And we cut McKenzie, which I think will save two and a half, 
million and get that back. So who knows? Maybe Naeem Hines, even though they restructured his deal, maybe now he becomes expendable or he becomes tradable. They brought back Jordan Poyer. Maybe you bring back Devin Singletary. Last I saw, he wasn't getting much looks, many looks from other teams. Maybe you bring him back on a uh, smaller contract. I don't know. I'd like to keep seeing them add to their offense, specifically wide receiver. Again, this might not be a popular idea, but Odell Beckham, I believe he's still out there. If you have Odell Beckham with uh, Steph Diggs, Stephon Diggs, and Gabe Davis, who would probably fit that slot position, I think that's where he's going to ultimately be. You're talking, you've got a very solid one, two, three punch. Then you've got Khalil Shakir, who, as the way the the wide receivers line up now, is Shakir a starter? Whether he's starting in the slot, whether he's starting as the number two receiver, he's faster, so he's a, a bit more of a burner. Is he a starter? Are they going in? to the season right now with your top three as Steph, Diggs, uh, Diggs, Davis, and uh, Shakir. Is that your top three? Is that a good enough top three? I don't think so. I don't think so. Unless Davis rebounds and unless he has the season next year, which we thought he was going to have this year, it, they're going to be in it tough. So they need somebody there. I, Who knows? Maybe Shakir can make that jump and be a solid number two and push back Davis into the number three spot. He certainly has the speed for it. He certainly looked good at times in those preseason games and had a lot of solid catches. Who knows? But I, it seems like we would be going into another year at the receiver position with well, we have Diggs. We hope we have Davis. We hope we have Shakir. We, we were pretty high on this kid from uh, Hardy kid from uh, who played for New Orleans. We think we can save his career and he can be a solid uh, contributor. Maybe they bring back Beasley. Maybe they don't. It's just they go back into the another year of the wide receivers as well. We could be good. But chances are we might be just one great receiver and the rest mediocre. And this year showed that that's not going to cut it in the league this year. You have too many dangerous teams out there with dangerous weapons on offense. Now, Cincinnati, you look at them. Okay, they're going to be next year is where Joe Burrow's contract comes on the books. Whatever he signs for, whatever he eventually signs for, whether it's $40 million, $45 million, who knows, maybe he gets $50 million, then they're going to be having to make the tough salary cap cuts. Does Taj Boyd go? Does T. Higgins go? Does Jamar Chase go? Do you have enough to keep Jamar Chase? Are you only keeping Jamar Chase and uh, Taj Boyd and Higgins go? Now you've got just your Burrow and Chase. Do you have to make cuts? along those their receiving core because they arguably in my opinion I think they have the best receiving group with Higgins, Chase and Boyd. I think by far you've got a very 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 solid receiving group much better than the Bills. And they proved it in that playoff game. You could even say they proved it in that first drive against the Bills in a DeMar Hamlin game. I mean, they looked, they marched down the field with little to no resistance on that opening drive. And during the second drive, they were doing it again until um, the unfortunate Hamlin hit. Cincinnati just looked unstoppable. It looked like that game was very quickly going to get out of hand. And then in the playoffs, they just looked at times like they were, I don't want to say that they were playing with the Bills defense, but 
they weren't having much issues. They weren't having many issues against this Bills defense, and we're pretty much going up and down at will. So it was, it was pretty much um, a done deal. So it was. Let's hope that the Bills can get that. Um, they can get those players going, and that they can hopefully have that one-two-three punch, like the uh, Bengals did. So let's. Uh, we can only hope whether now. Maybe they're getting this New Orleans guy, uh, this Hardy guy, because they're looking to get it from the draft. So hopefully they'll be able to get it from the draft and that they can do it that way. If not, they're going to be in trouble. But let's hope that they are able to make it work. And if they can't, I think it's going to be another year, unfortunately, with us talking about, well, they need a receiver. Well, they need an offensive lineman. Well, they need a this weapon. They need a that weapon. Let's hope they can get those weapons going and that they can move forward. Because like I said last week, it's still, it would be so nice for the Sabres and the Bills to make the playoffs. The Bills are not going to miss the playoffs. The Bills are still going to be in the playoffs. I think they're still going to be primed for an AFC East um division. I don't want to say they're going to win it easy this year because every team seems to be really um, making their runs, making their moves, but it's it should still be a Bills AFC East championship year, but I don't want just an AFC East title. I'm tired of the AFC East titles. This team has got to make start making legitimate, legitimate runs. And if they're not, it's gonna. There's gonna be a lot of explaining to do. So let's hope. Um, I still think they're. I still think uh, Bean has something up his sleeves where he's gonna make a nice run. I still think he's going to really just. Again, I don't think it's gonna be as big of a Von Miller splash, but I think there's gonna be something there, whether it's another wide receiver. Honestly, I like that kid from, um, I think it's from Georgia, the big uh, tight end. Let me look up his name now. But he is, if they don't go wide receiver, if they don't go, um, if they don't go offensive lineman, then I want them to get. I want them to get this big tight end. Um, let me see if I can. Nope. Sorry, I'm I'm struggling here with the uh, with my laptop or with my tablet. This uh, who am I looking at? Darnell Washington from Georgia. That kid is just a beast. He is a beast of a tight end. This kid is, I mean, he really, I think, upgraded his uh, his stock in the combine, but this kid is six foot seven, 264 pounds. He ran a, his 40 time was 4.67. He was the fastest among the tight ends. Catches Everything in sight. Primarily used as a blocker in Georgia, but has a great, a great, um, can be used as a vertical threat. This kid is just, again, he's ranked right now on some of the sites that I'm seeing as the fourth best tight end. Honestly, I think he should be rated higher. I think he is going to be a Dominant. I mean, he made that sled. He when he was doing the sled drills, he could have added fifty pounds onto that sled, and it still would have been easy for him. But Darnell Washington, I'm not saying they should draft him, but if there's if there's been a, if there's a run on offensive guards, offensive tackles, if there's a run on wide receivers, and this kid is still available when the Bills are picking, pick him, please. 
hand, please don't pick a defensive end. Don't pick a defensive tackle. I don't want any more defensive linemen. The fact that they signed Poyer back makes me think and makes me feel pretty confident that they're not going to choose a safety. The fact that they have, they've, Elam showed uh, improvement last year. Now with Poyer back, you really don't have to uh, transition Bedford into a uh, Benford into a safety, which was originally a, a, an idea tossed around there by certain people. Maybe the only other person on defense, maybe because Edmonds is out, you uh, he got his big deal with the Bears. Maybe you sign a linebacker, but I think it looks like uh, – they're pretty comfortable with Terrell Bernard sliding in for Edmonds as possible candidate to win that starting spot. I know he played when Milano went down for a little bit. Didn't look horrible, but didn't you know light the world on fire. They're saying though he's better position. He's better positioned to play the inside, like um, uh, Edmonds did. So he'll be a little bit better there than more of the outside with Milano. So, but that's the only spot I could see them, not to say that I want them to draft, but I could see them draft another middle linebacker. But it's got to be a it's got to be an offensive player this year and don't make it a running back. I don't want a running back, even that 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 Robinson kid or Blair kid, whatever it is. I don't want to see them make a a running back their top pick. I don't care if the number 1 overall pick or the number 1 uh, running back is on the board. No, no, say no to the running back. I'm not saying James Cook is going to light the world on fire, but he'll be enough back there with Hines and whoever else you get. I'd rather see them trade for Derrick Henry, to be perfectly honest. I'd rather see them trade for Derrick Henry, even though I know we're not going to use him. I don't want to see them use him 25, 30 carries a game like Tennessee was doing. But give Henry 10, 15 carries a game. 10 carries for James Cook and go your, whether they draft this young kid uh, at tight end out of Georgia, Washington, then you've got Knox and Washington on your tight ends or in the double tight end set, Knox and Washington there. Then you've got Diggs on one side, get Odell Beckham on the other side or Shakir or Davis that would be a solid one-two punch. And if you if you trade for Henry, can you imagine if the Bills came out running that two form two tight end formation, something similar to what New England did when they had uh, back in the days when they had Gronk and Hernandez? Can you imagine Buffalo if they ran the two tight end set with uh, big kid Darnell Washington on one side, Knox on the other side, Steph Diggs? as your number one receiver, Odell Beckham as your number two receiver, and Derrick Henry in the backfield. Come on, pick your poison. Where are you going to beat? Where are you going to get beat? And Buffalo struggled in the red zone last year, inside the 20. You're telling me inside the five, inside the 10, Derrick Henry couldn't get this team four to five or six more touchdowns than they had last year? You're telling me they couldn't have gotten a win against the Jets? They couldn't have gotten a win against... The Vikings, and who else did they lose to last year? The Dolphins? You're telling me that Derrick Henry couldn't have gotten them the, those dirty yards to get them a victory? I think yeah. last time I looked, if they made the trade, depending on exactly the parameters of the trade, you might only have to pay Henry five or six, seven million on the cap. That's nothing. He's got one year left. Fine. That's all we need him for. It makes sense. It makes more sense than wasting a first round or a second round or a third round pick on a running back. Now, if you want to do what the Chiefs did, fine. Go out, draft a receiver, receiver insert name here in the fifth, sixth, in the sixth, seventh. Draft draft a running back. Whatever. Running back X in the seventh round. Who cares? He might hit. Don't spend it in the first three rounds, even the first four rounds. Don't do it. I I loved Singletary. I don't need another Devin Singletary here. I don't need another Zach Moss here. 
I think James Cook will be serviceable as your starter. He's not going to light the world on fire. He'll be serviceable as your starter. Naeem Hines will be serviceable as a another back. And whoever else you go in there with, that's fine. Let it be receiver or a running back X in the seventh round. I don't care. But I'd rather, if you're going to go do anything with the running back position, trade a, a sixth round pick. There's some some people out there are saying that Henry could be gotten for as as little as a seventh round pick. Do it. Tennessee wants to shed some cap. Tennessee is clearly in a rebuilding mode. Let them let them unload Henry. If the Bills can pick him up for a sixth, fifth, sixth, seventh round pick, fine. And all you need him for is one year. And if I'm the Bills, hey, Derek, we can get you a ring. We don't need you after that, but we can get you a ring, give you a chance to get the ring. And then if you want to retire, if you want to do whatever, that's fine. That's up to you. Get him here for one year. That would be, if we had that offense, if we were running that offense with Washington and Knox at your double tight ends, Odell Beckham and Steph Diggs as your top two receivers and Derrick Henry in the background with Josh Allen, of course, as the trigger man. All that goes down, all that goes uh, out of the window if anything were to happen to Allen. Injury-wise, anything, of course, the season is, to be perfectly honest, the season is done if you have that starting lineup as your as your weapons, tell me one team that wouldn't be afraid of your offense. And at that point, does it matter what you have on defense? Because even if you look back at the big games, all you needed, anytime we beat Kansas City, all you needed for was the Bills defense to make one stop. They make that one stop, and we win those games. That's it. Last year against Cincinnati, we needed, well, nobody showed up, offense or defense. But Kansas City, those times we beat them in the regular season, it's because the Bills' defense made one stop, and that was it. The AFC Championship game, we needed them to make one, not even one stop, we needed them to make one play with 13 seconds. If they just make one play, if they bat down one of those balls, if they make a tackle, after only 10-yard pickup, they couldn't do that. We win that game, and we're talking about a Super Bowl title. We Defense no longer wins championships. It's the offense that is going to win the title. But the Bills will still have a pretty solid defense with Poyer, Hyde, Milano, Vaughn Miller coming back. Again, I haven't seen many timetables on when he could come back. They are talking it could be, I've heard it could be as early as the opening season game, like he'll be there to open the regular season. It could be as late. I don't think it's going to be any later than it was with Trey White where he didn't come back until Thanksgiving. I know... um, Vaughn Miller got hurt in that Thanksgiving game against Detroit, so he'll be home, he'll be back by then. But I've I've seen out there that it could be as early as opening day. I doubt if he's going to be there any preseason games, training camp games. I don't need him there for those games. The quicker you can get him on the field for a regular season game, the better. But it's going to be. Just give me to September. I just want to be September. And I know as a teacher, I shouldn't want to I shouldn't want it to get to September because that means my summer vacation is over. But just get me to September. I, I want football games back. I want meaningful games back. I'll even take July or August. I'll even take some preseason games. Get me some football games back. Can't wait till this draft comes out. But then it's you get the draft that I think is April fourteenth, middle of April. And then you're in the 
Ugh, just the mini camps, the training camps. I don't care about that stuff. I wish it was just like a Madden video game where you can just skip the off season and go right into, all right, let's go regular season. Game one, begin. I just, I, I can't do it. All right. We're going to keep this a short, quick episode. We're going to wrap things up with our, we're going to do a quick uh, rapid fire hot seat questions, five of them. I had my track and field team um, ask me a few questions, write down a few questions. So we're going to, we're going to pop some in there. And can I tell you, before we get into the hot seat, Kenny's track and field, man, did our numbers increase big time last year for the girls. We had, uh, I think we finished the season with 28 girls. The boys always have a pretty solid number. Last year, I think the boys finished with either high 40s or low 50s. This week is the first week of track and field practice, so Monday was the first practice. As of right now, as of Wednesday at 6.45 p.m., the numbers for our girls track and field team that we have signed up and that have been showing up to practice for the first three practices that we've had, we are at 68 girls. I have never, I've been coaching uh, track and field for Kenmore East. Now this will be season number 12. Um, no, number 13. This will be lucky number 13. I have never had a girls team higher than 53. And we are at 68 and counting. There's still a couple girls that have just are not on the final forms side yet. They've got to fill out those forms. We could be as high as 75, 76. Now again, you always have the inevitable that that leave or quit or drop, but still, that's a huge number. The guys are bigger. The guys are up to, as of right now, the guys are up to 76. That is awesome. And again, the guys have a couple, probably five or six, that have not uh, that are not on the final forms just because they, they haven't been added yet. We are looking at right now, just forget those, the ones that have not been added. We are looking at, I think it's what, 145, 143, 142, what did I say, 68 and uh, 70, 68 and 77. 77 for the guys, so 145 total athletes. And that's for four coaches, well, two head, two coaches, two head coaches. I'm the head coach for the girls. Coach Mativier is the head coach for the boys. Um, then we've got two assistant coaches in uh, Coach Dan Norton for the boys, Coach Erica Marconi for the girls. Then we have two volunteer coaches in Josh Alderman, and Jeff Brunger. That's it. So four paid coaches, two volunteer coaches, six on the coaching staff total for 145 students. It is going to be crazy. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hopefully Kenny's will do a lot of damage this year. The boys will be looking to um, repeat as co-NFL champions. Last year they... Uh, split the title with Lockport. We're looking to uh, win it outright this year and repeat. The girls are looking to do the same and make some noise. Uh, last year, we were able to finish uh, tied for fifth. We're looking to finish even higher than that. So we're looking to, both teams are looking to make some noise, and the future is bright for Kenny's track and field. And that's just it. A lot of those students we have out there, we've got the Sabres problem. A lot of them, we've got some young, talented runners, throwers, sprinters, jumpers. It's going to be fun, 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 fun. So let's quickly wrap this up with our five hot seat questions. Question number one, and I'm this is one I'm asking, are the Sabres going to make the playoffs, yes or no? I think I asked this last week with Matt. I'm saying or resounding. I'm still being positive. I'm saying yes. I'm saying they, the last game of the season they play Columbus, I'm saying it's going to be that close where they're going to need to beat Columbus to get into the playoffs, and I and they should beat Columbus 
they will beat Columbus. That's what I'm thinking. They need that win at the end of the year to get in, and they get it, and they go to Boston. And we'll see. How <laughs> about let's put it that. We'll see what they do against Boston, but just to get in, that would be outstanding. Question number two. This is coming from one of the track athletes. Question number two is, what was your favorite event to run in track and field? My favorite event was, believe it or not, the 3200, the two-mile. It's, it's, I'll say a split between that and the relay. I always loved running the relays. I did the 30, uh, the 3200 relay, so the 4 by 8 But I always loved the two-mile, the 3200, uh, the two-mile race. I was a distance runner. If cross-country and soccer were not in the same season, I would have ran cross-country. I ran cross-country in seventh grade way back with Coach Joe Jacobs, one of my best favorite coaches. But I love distance, and the 3200 is a race. Again, I was not – I wasn't slow, but I definitely didn't have sprinter speed, definitely didn't have 400 speed or 800 speed. I love the mile – and the two mile, but I love the two mile even better because you got to get into that run. You got to get into your race. You got to get comfortable. You you could start it. It was easier to pace for me. You didn't have to sprint all the way to the front and then hopefully hold on. It's a it was a very strategic race that I like to run. I, I loved it. And then of course you Hopefully pace yourself so that that last lap, that last 400, that last 200, that last 100, that you're not dying out there. I just loved it. I loved it. I was a big soccer player, too. Soccer was my main sport. So you had the conditioning from soccer and track and field running distance. Kept your conditioning up so that it would carry over into the fall season and the summer season. So I was definitely, that was my favorite, a the 3200. I loved running the 1600 as well. But the 3,200, that that was my jam. I love that. Uh, question number three. Favorite, uh, favorite type of food? I love Italian food. But it all depends on my mood, too. I love Italian food. Love a nice chicken parm. Um, I think... As far as favorite meal, I don't know if chicken parm is my favorite meal, but I love ribs. I love steak. I love Mexican. Uh, El Ranchito is a great little Mexican restaurant. Um, I love Thai food. I've been getting into Thai food over at Thai Orchid. Um, really, I just I love a variety of food. If, if I guess if I had to choose a favorite type, I'm going Italian. I'm going Italian. I've got to go with the heritage. In fact, uh, my Nona would be turning over my gra- in her grave if uh, I didn't say Italian food is my favorite. So I'm going to stick with Italian. But I'm a lover of all foods. I love to try new foods. Um, as long as it doesn't have peanuts in it because I'm allergic to peanuts or nuts. So as long as it doesn't have that in there, I'll try pretty much anything. Question number four. Favorite. In fact, I think I'm going to ask this to Matt too next week, but favorite non-Bill football player of all time? For me, this might be dating myself. In fact, this probably is dating myself. I'm going Warren Moon of the Houston Oilers, their quarterback. I just, I don't know why. I don't know why I liked the Houston Oilers. Not that I liked them. I didn't, I didn't follow them. Um, but I just, I liked the Houston Oilers team, I guess. I guess. Again, I wouldn't say them a favorite team, but I, I, I just like them. You got uh, Warren Moon, Haywood, Jeffries, all them guys. I, I just, I don't know. I, I'm going to say Warren Moon. Solid quarterback. One of the greatest. I think he's a Hall of Famer. Um, just I very solid. So I'm going to say Warren Moon as my favorite um, non-Bill football player. And I guess since I asked that, I'm going to say favorite. Uh, this question didn't come from anybody. That came from uh, that came from my wife, Vicky. This question didn't come any, from anybody. I'm just going to use it at the top of my head. Favorite non-hockey player. Um, or sorry, non-hockey player. Non-saber hockey player of all time. 
again, Gretzky's up there, Lemieux's up there, Yager's up there, uh, Bobby Orr's up there, um, Adam Oates is definitely up there. I guess I'm going to say Mark Messier. Um, and again, I think Mark Messier is definitely known for being a ranger, but I mean, he was dominant even when he was on those Oiler teams and a big part of their Stanley Cup wins with uh, in the Gretzky years. But Mark Messier, again, I know he's a, he's a big-time assist, big-time point getter, more of a playmaker, still scored his goals, don't get me wrong, but definitely the playmaker. But just also, he was a type of player, too, where he wasn't afraid to go into the corners. He wasn't afraid to throw a check or two or three. He was a talented, talented player, one of the best. Again, uh, Hall of Famer, but also would, would do the dirty work when needed to, would outwork you when needed to, would check you when needed to. believe he even got into a few fights. Just a great, great player. Um was so happy to see him win it with the Rangers as well, win the Stanley Cup. But Mark Messier, probably, yeah, I'm going to go with Mark Messier as my favorite non-Saber hockey player. Again, I know I'm dating myself with both those answers, but whatever, I'm old. All right, we're going to wrap things up there. Like I said, hopefully next week, hopefully next week we'll be able to get um, Megan Smith and potentially Megan Smith and guests next week for um, to come into the studio and talk a little track and field and cross country. Hopefully in April, early April, uh, we're looking at possibly getting Doug Newman from Cleve Hill to talk a little swimming, a little uh, track and field, maybe possibly a little football. Little, listen, a little strongman. Doug's, Doug's just overall sports. Make sure you follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, at Stories from the Sidelines. If you are listening and you want to be a guest, feel free to message me on our Facebook page at Stories from the Sidelines. And as always, make sure you tune in next week for another exciting episode of Stories from the Sidelines. And let's go Sabres.